Thank you for listening to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. This is the conversation about faith, hope, and the impact we're designed to make as Christians on the world around us. Your host, Helen Todd, the Vice President of World Missions Alliance, has spent over two decades traveling to the world's hotspots to meet the spiritual and physical needs of those who are desperate. She interviews guests from different walks of life whose stories, books, and ideas examine today's most pressing issues and challenges of being a Christian today and inspire you to action. I had my own struggle of internally feeling like they don't want me, they want him. And actually, people did leave the church at first when they heard that there would be a woman who was a co-senior pastor. So I went through a lot of struggle with feeling rejected and feeling insecure. And, you know, just I I had many Sundays where I had to go back to my prayer closet crying because I just every person that got up, you know, to go to the bathroom, sometimes it was like, are they leaving right now because I'm speaking? (laughs) So it was a challenge and the Lord kept bringing me to, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me because I'm in you and I know what it feels like to be rejected. I'm Helen Todd and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Limitless Spirit podcast. My guest today is Jessica Collins and she's one of the senior pastors of the Vanguard Church in North Tonawanda, New York. She is gifted in prophetic ministry, teaching, and making disciples, and her story is a wonderful example of how our personal transformation can be incredibly fruitful in God's kingdom. Nobody shared the gospel with Jessica. God reached to her as a very frightened 10-year-old girl and put a prophecy in her mouth that came to pass. She felt a call to full-time ministry at a very young age, but struggled with being not accepted as a woman in ministry, even by her husband. God's faithfulness to her and her faithfulness to God is what helped her not only to overcome rejection and insecurities, but also to become a mentor for other women in ministry. Stay tuned until the very end because Jessica will have a powerful word of encouragement for people who feel afraid to live out their true calling. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for coming on the Limitless Spirit podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Helen. How are you? I am doing great, and I'm excited to share your story. I feel like Your story is going to touch many hearts, actually. So let's let's just dive right into it. You accepted Christ in a very unusual manner, (laughs) but also a testimony of you know how how God works in our lives. It's it's so incredible to see how He touches different people in a different way. So share a little bit about how you develop that personal relationship with him. Yeah. So I always like to joke that I'm a little bit of an anomaly because nobody really led me in a prayer or no one that I know of was praying for my salvation or anything like that. I didn't go to a meeting and hear the gospel. I was raised in a Catholic home, but very nominally Catholic. My parents were a young couple, they were married in the 70s, and they were still in that kind of party mode with uh, drinking and smoking marijuana and other drugs in the home. I did go to a Catholic school in, in Canada. I'm from Toronto. 
And so, you know, I was exposed to the gospel per se, but nobody was really mentoring me or anything like that. And the way that I really came into relationship with the Lord, he reached out to me in a time of crisis when I was 10 years old. My parents' marriage was uh, failing at that point. And one day, my mom just came to school and grabbed us out of school and took us home while my dad was at work and said, you know, just pack whatever you can fit in this bag and we're leaving. And it was very abrupt. It was very scary, you know, and I looked around my room as a 10-year-old and I grabbed some things. And one of the things I grabbed, I saw on my dresser, the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs from the Gideons. Thank God for the Gideons, right? They, they give out Bibles all over the place and who knows how many other lives have been touched because of it. But they had given those out in our school a year prior and I never looked at it, but I had it sitting there on my dresser and I just felt to grab it. And so I put it in my bag and my mom took us. I didn't know where we were going. She took us to hide us actually from my dad. And so we went and met up with her sister, my aunt that I did not really know very well. My mom's um, the youngest of eight kids and my aunt lived in a different city. And so we really hadn't spent much time with her ever, maybe, you know, once a year at Christmas, if that. So she took us, you know, out of the city to this very remote place and um, put us with my aunt. And then she left. And so it was myself, I was 10, and my brother, who was seven. And I felt, you know, very responsible to kind of take care of my brother. And and I didn't know what to do because I was here in this remote area with my aunt that I didn't know well and her boyfriend that I had never met before. And they were not Christians or believers. And so I just at night started to pray and I, I opened up this little Bible that I had brought and I said to God as a 10 year old, if I read one chapter of this every night, will you help my mom and dad get back together again? And I just had faith as a 10 year old that he would. And so I started reading and talking to God every night. So yeah, it was probably several months later i was had you know committed to reading every night which i did and um my my dad finally did get to see us and so we went for a visit up to toronto with him and on the ride back in the car i saw a vision in the side view mirror i was just kind of staring out the side mirror while we were driving and i saw four crosses of light And I saw one of them had a black speck in the middle. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is your family. And I'm removing this black speck. And when I do, your family will be restored. And so I turned to my dad as a 10-year-old and I said, Daddy, God said he's going to restore our family. And my dad argued with me because they were in divorce court at that point. And he said, no, no, it's not going to happen. You know? And I, and I said, no, God said it. And as I was speaking, all of a sudden a timeline came on it. And I said, God said in four months, you and mom will be back together. And so it was pretty amazing because it was almost four months to the day when my dad was there and saying, crying, saying, you know, you're coming home. 
And I asked him, you know, what do you mean? Like, we're going to live with you? And he said, no, we're going to try again. Your mom and I are going to try again. And they're still married to this day. This fall, they will be celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary. And so, but yeah, it was really just through relationship. I started talking to the Lord and reading the word and he talked back to me as a little 10 year old and, and it was very normal and natural for me to interact with him. I, I just, at that point, you know, kind of assumed like, well, doesn't God just talk to everybody? You know, there are not many people who not only start talking to God at the age of 10, but also have a prophetic vision that actually comes to pass. So this is quite an extraordinary story. Um, and I think, you know, for parents with young children, it could be very eye-opening to know that your child is ready for communication with God and relationship with God at any point. I think it's absolutely beautiful that you actually prophesied something to your father in something as significant as the restoration of your family and their marriage. So to me, it's clear that from the young age, God sort of chose you for for a very special purpose, you know, and and it has to do with prophetic and ministry because you, in a sense, you ministered to your father in that point. And he later, be- and he and your mom both became very committed Christians. How did that happen? Yeah, so after we got back together, for the next five years, my dad and my mom attended the Catholic Church, but still were stuck in the addictions and all of that. And there was a lot of messiness in their relationship. And so... When I was 15, it was pretty cool because those years, my dad had a a friend at work that was a born-again, spirit-filled believer. And so he would talk to Fred, was the gentleman's name, about things that I would say to my dad because the Lord was kind of mentoring me throughout those years on my own. And I would say stuff to my dad and he had no idea. He would joke and say like, I don't know how we ended up with you. Like, you know, you're like an angel that just came out of heaven and was dropped in our lap. Like, so anyhow, Fred invited him to a Christmas musical at his church and my dad went and the pastor of that church was this amazing man. He was 80 years old, Dr. Winston Nunes. And he was a revivalist and a leader in the Latter Rain movement and um, for, for many years uh, had been in ministry since he was 17. And so he carried the Holy Spirit. And as he gave the message, my dad was instantly filled with the Spirit, completely delivered from, at that point, at least 20 years of daily marijuana smoking, drinking, all of that. And just completely a a changed man. And so, of course, my dad wanted to go to that church. And so he and I started attending that church initially because my mom still, um, she was Catholic background as well. And and she was trained that you're going to go to hell if you leave the Catholic church. So it took her six months before she could say, you know what, I see so much change in my husband that I want to take that risk and come. And so eventually our whole family ended up at this spirit-filled 
Elam Church in Toronto, uh, Faith Temple with Winston Nunes. So at what point did you feel like God is calling you to be in ministry? So that's funny because it was actually before we went to this Protestant church. And, you know, you you might be aware with Catholics, the woman, basically all you can do is be a nun. So when I was 13, my parents came home from work and I was sobbing my eyes out. I had been crying for several hours. I had this encounter with the Lord and I just felt so compelled that I was going to serve the Lord full time, like with my whole life. And, but I also, from a little, little girl, I would put pillows up my shirt when, you know, I was three and four and five and, and talk about being a mommy and having babies. And so, you know, I was so in mourning because I felt like I had to choose between full-time serving God as a nun in the Catholic church or having a family of my own. And I just was so brokenhearted about that. And so my parents came home and I, here I am crying away. And they're like, what are you crying about? Like, what's going on? You know? And I just said, I don't want to be a nun, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to serve God, you know? And so my dad, of course, went to Fred and said, like, this is what I came home to last night. What do I tell her? And Fred said, tell her that if God put the desire in her to serve the Lord and to have a family, he'll make sure she can do both. And I had just total peace and faith. And so I was like, okay, good. I'm going to serve God somehow full time and I'm going to have a family. Okay. Yay. (laughs) So that was me, 13 years old. Well, fast forward a few years and you have it all. Mm -hmm. So how did you actually, uh, when did you make that first step? How does a young woman, young girl step into full-time ministry? Well, my path even on that was a little unique. I committed to it straight out of high school. I was an excellent student and I knew I could have done anything that I wanted So I had some of my teachers that were not happy that they knew I was very vocal that I was going to go into ministry. I was sharing about Christ in my school, even though it was a Catholic school. One of my teachers who taught the religious class and, and was very close with me, a former Jesuit priest, he said, you're going to waste your life on ministry? God wouldn't have given you such a great brain if he wanted you to do that. And I remember just thinking like, well, if, you know, if that's how you see it, I'm not worried. But so I went from high school. I in high school, I was actually a part of the outpouring in Toronto. I mentioned I'm from Toronto. So anyone who's familiar with the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, Toronto Vineyard, however, you know that um, name, the Toronto Blessing with John and Carol Arnott, I went there at a time in my senior year of high school that I just needed to really recommit my year, my life to the Lord. I, I kind of had a little disagreement with God for about a year. And, uh, so I, I wanted to go to their school of ministry. They were just starting a school of ministry. And so I went into the second ever school of ministry in Toronto they didn't even have a building yet. They started a school and we were living in a hotel <laughs> and they, they closed on the building halfway through my school year. And so we were part of the, the, the school that got to clean the building out, the factory building. And 
we slept in bunks and stuff. And, and so that was my first step. Eventually, God did lead me to Elam Bible Institute when I was 22. And then in that interim, he had told me to learn as much as I could from Winston Noons before he passed away. So I was at everything and, and um, teaching a lot of children's programs and all kinds of stuff for those years. So you married a minister and you started a family. You have pastored several churches. So what was it like for you to be a woman in your own calling, not just a pastor's wife? And Justin is an amazing man of God. And I know that he is very understanding of your calling and very supportive of your calling. But I can imagine that there were some challenges along the way. Yes, it's kind of funny. Initially, with a church that we sort of helped to plant in Rochester, I was very eager to be a part of the team. It was an all-male team. And they had initially said, like, oh, yeah, we want you to be a part of this. And, and my husband and I were starting out leading the children's ministry, but also serving in other areas. You know, when you plant a church, you just kind of do everything. And um, so the team didn't really know us very well, especially me. My husband really was close with the senior pastor who was planting the church. So at some point, they made this determination that I was a Jezebel and that I had a problem with wanting to lead everything and control and all this stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> and my husband um, at that point was like, yes, you are right. She is a Jezebel. And so I was removed from all leadership, which was very like shocking and painful. And I went home and I said, Lord, am I a Jezebel? Like, tell me if I am, I'll repent, you know? And he said, no, don't do anything. Don't say anything. I'll defend you. And I said, okay. So I just attended church for the next six months and I, I didn't defend myself. I didn't say anything negative. I completely forgave and just released the leadership team. And just worship the Lord and, and, you know, participated as any churchgoer would. And so then after six months, they came back to me and they said, you know, oh, you've changed so much and now you can lead again. And I was like, okay. And so then I went home and I said, Lord, have I changed? You know, show me how I've changed. And, and he said, no, they just know your heart now and they're not afraid of you. And I was like, oh, Okay. And so then eventually those leaders did come back to me and they were weeping saying, you know, we're so sorry. We, we wrongly accused you. We did not see you for who you are. And we regret that so much. And my husband also, you know, eventually he came to that place of saying, you know what, I am so sorry also that I did not speak up for you. I knew you better than anyone else. And I should have defended you. So it wasn't really until we came to North Tonawanda to Vanguard Church when we started senior pastoring that he really started to support me fully as a minister and, and encourage that. And then I had my own struggle of internally feeling like they don't want me, they want him. 
And actually, people did leave the church at first when they heard that there would be a woman who was a co-senior pastor. So I went through a lot of struggle with feeling rejected and feeling insecure. And, you know, just I, I had many Sundays where I had to go back to my prayer closet crying because I just, every person that got up, you know, to go to the bathroom, sometimes it was like, are they leaving right now because I'm speaking? So it was a challenge and the Lord kept bringing me to all these different scriptures, just encouraging me, Jeremiah, you know, that I have, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I appointed you and set you apart to speak for me. And, you know, things like that, where he just kept encouraging me. And I remember one time Jesus said, like, you know, they're, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me because I'm in you and I know what it feels like to be rejected. So don't be discouraged and don't quit. And, but it was quite a process internally of overcoming that place of just, and then even when we stepped out of Vanguard, you know, into other church settings where men would regularly sort of treat me differently, uh, if you will, because of being a woman, you know, where they'd assume, oh, you're here as your husband's secretary or whatever. <laughs> you know, like It's like, well, uh, not exactly. But sure, if that's how you want to think of me. Uh, frequently, I, I was the nameless person. Oh, this is Pastor Justin, and this is his wife. And so, you know, you just, I had to work through all that and just recognize like, you know what, I'm just here to serve you, God. And, and whatever way you want to use me is fine and, and not be offended or bothered if people stumbled over the fact that I was a woman. I'm really thankful that Winston Nunes actually set such a strong foundation because he was mentored by women leaders like Mrs. Beale in the latter rain outpouring. And so he would speak to me all the time and encourage me as a woman, as a young woman. And he would even get up and say things like, I don't believe in women preachers. And he'd wait for all the men to say amen or whoever. And then he would say, when you are saved, there's neither male nor female in Christ. And so when you get up here, you stand up here as a minister of the gospel and an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And it was like, he was just waiting to to tell them like you're wrong for not believing in women. And so I'm really thankful that I had all those years. I had seven years under his training and ministry in the gifts of the spirit and all of that. So just so thankful for his foundation in my life. Well, I think this is an interesting dynamic because not only you face the opposition from men, other men in ministry, but also from your husband. And so did it, cause strain on your marriage? Or were you able to keep that separate? I processed a lot. I'm thankful for those years in Toronto, because I learned a really deep place of intimacy with the Father, of the love of the Father, the forgiveness and the grace and mercy of Jesus. And so I was very diligent from a young age of keeping my heart pure. That was like one of my life verses, you know, the pure in heart shall see God. And I recognized, you know, those passages where it said, you know, basically, if you don't forgive, God doesn't forgive you or things like that, you know, a bitter root defiles many. So I was very diligent 
to always work things out in my heart to a place of just love and peace. And so, yeah, it, it, you know, it wasn't instantaneous, but I would not allow things to remain in my heart that were not love. And so with my husband, you know, I had to process through that in my prayer time, but I, I recognized like that was the primary thing was for me to love my husband without any shadow or, or grudge or anything, you know? So not really all that to say that I was able to let it go and to just trust God. Well, and I think this is a powerful testimony too, because marriage and the institution of marriage is under great attack right now. Well, always has been actually. And, you know, there are, <laughs> it's common to cite the reason for divorce as irreconcilable differences. <laughs> and I think your testimony is a statement that uh, many differences, all differences can be reconciled with love. Yes. And in love and forgiveness. And so I love that part of it. Well, our series uh, right now that we're doing on this podcast is Changed Lives, Change Lives. And so you mentioned to me that there was, among many people, of course, whom you have impacted through the years of ministry, there is a particular person, a lady, that you helped to do something that was so challenging for you as you were developing your life and ministry. So can you share that story with me? Yeah. So my journey here at Vanguard, especially of just becoming free in my calling and, and totally just surrendered to the Lord and recognizing that, you know, he kept saying over and over, my voice was powerful and, and that he called me to speak for him and things like that. There was a woman here when we came that was highly, highly prophetic. And she's a seer. She was just really, really gifted in that area. But first off, did not have any training. The previous pastor here just was not really geared towards the gifts of the spirit and things like that. So she had no mentoring, no training. And um, she had gone through a lot in her childhood and early years of her life. And so she was a very, very quiet, almost, you know, shut down. She had like one best friend. And other than that, she struggled really to speak. So it was kind of funny because, you know, she would joke and say she was the church mouse. She ran the sound and you really, unless you went out of your way to talk to her, you would not know she was there because she did not leave that sound booth. And she was just in the back. It was kind of a dark area because the lights were aimed at the front. And she would come early. She would pray quietly. She would serve, but she didn't really want to ever speak. And God just highlighted her to me. And I began to approach her and draw her out and have conversations with her and meet her in a mentoring capacity. And I would say things like, you know, I just felt like the Lord told me that you're called to full-time ministry. And she freaked out and was like, oh my gosh, you know, like nobody knows that. I've always felt that. And at this point, like she's 10 years older than me. So at this point, she's probably almost 50 and still never even spoken to give a testimony at the front on the microphone, you know? And she said, 
yeah, I, I have been feeling that and, but I'm terrified to speak. And so, um, another meeting, I remember saying to her, like, I, I really feel like you're going to be teaching soon. And she was like, Oh my gosh, you're reading my mail. Like I just had a dream that I was teaching and teaching classes on the prophetic and, and raising people up. And so, um, little by little, she trusted me to put her, stretch her, you know, into these new situations. And I, I would teach the class and have her assist me. Then I would have her lead parts of it. And eventually, as I continued to foster that, it's been probably about seven years of me working with her. She now is the one who teaches and leads all our equipping classes. And even regionally, she is going to other churches to raise up their teams in prophetic ministry and prayer. She has her own blog that is like a prophetic voice to our region. And so it's really been fun and amazing to just see. And and a huge credit to her that she trusted me and she was allowing me to stretch her that much. You know, that's one of the things as a pastor, you get frustrated because you can see every person. God has beautiful gifts and destiny and calling for them in a a unique area, but it takes their place of yes and surrender and dying to their flesh and their fear and willing to take risks and, and stretch themselves beyond what they think they're capable of so that they can see God moving in them and through them in, in powerful ways. And so she kept doing that over and over. And like I said, in seven years, she's now has this amazing ministry to so many people. She mentors people herself, and she's just a key part of our leadership team here. Kristen Strau is her name. So so what would you say to our listeners who are maybe still, you know, unsure of um, what God is calling them to do? Because I, I firmly believe that anyone who has experienced a transformation through Christ in their lives has the capacity and the potential of change the lives of others. And sometimes, just like your friend whom you have helped to develop, we suppress that, maybe we fear that, there are insecurities that come into that. What would you tell a person that is still unsure or maybe has not stepped into that specific calling of changing other people's lives? I would encourage them and say that, you know, we've all heard the Great Commission and we know Jesus commanded us to make disciples. And I think that's one of the things that the North American church has been losing ground in is with these mega churches and amazing leaders up on the stages, more and more Christians have felt incapable of discipling people, incapable of praying for the sick, incapable of sharing the gospel or leading someone to Christ, when really that is our inheritance and that is also our mandate from heaven, that that God wants a family, he wants a large family, it's his desire that none would perish, and there's people in all of our world, each one of us, that we touch every day And if we're willing to push past our fear, the biggest thing I hear as a pastor 
is, you know, fear, really people's lack of confidence in themselves, right? But we forget that the word says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. If we are born again, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're called by his name, then we have God in us and and we have the ability to lead other people to salvation and to Christ and to that place of freedom and and healing. And it's very sad that we would miss seeing people's lives touched because of our own insecurity or fear. You know, that's just the devil. Like, of course, he doesn't want people to be saved. He doesn't want people to be set free or changed. And thank God, Fred, you know, was so vocal about his faith at his workplace with my dad, or my dad never would have went to that Christmas play, you know, and just, it's, it's that simple, just letting people know that you believe offering to pray for them when things come up. And then if they show an interest in Christ, begin to be intentional about teaching them whatever you know. And we know the scripture talks about like, if we're faithful with little, that he'll give us more. And so, you know, when you're put in that situation of being stretched to say like, I don't know what to teach them. You know, they just asked me this, this question about God and I don't know. It forces you to dig deeper in your own faith and into the word and, and to go to God and say, you know, what do I tell them or how do that, how do I help them God? And really it is the way that we grow when we put ourselves into situations that are beyond our comfort zone and beyond our level of understanding, those are things that launch us greater into our faith and into seeing God move through our life. I'm really convinced that if we'll allow ourselves to get in over our heads, that's when we'll see more and more of God's power moving in and through us. That's a great word. And uh, knowing your church and the style, how you and Justin pastor, I know that you're very focused on raising disciples, making disciples. And, you know, your words carry even more weight because everything you share comes from your personal experience. And that's what makes it real, you know, and people see that. So I really appreciate it, Jessica. Um, Looking forward to being with you in North Tonawanda very soon. And thank you again for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to see you guys. So be blessed, everyone, and go for it. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Take a risk and trust God and you'll see him move. (laughs) I agree with all that Jessica just shared. It is really important that we as Christians remember this. We're not just commanded to make disciples. We're given the Spirit of God to help us make disciples. In other words, you don't have to do it on your own. God is faithful and will be with you every step of the way. A big part of what we do here at World Missions Alliance is help people like you live out the Great Commission. Would you like to join us on one of the upcoming mission trips? If so, go to our website, rfwma.org, and find out more details how to get involved. Thanks again to Jessica Collins for sharing her story on this episode, and thank you for listening. I hope it was encouragement to you. Share it with others, and tune in next time. I'm Helen Todd. 
Limitless Spirit is produced by World Missions Alliance. If you believe in the importance of the Great Commission, sharing Christ around the world and helping those in need, check out our website, rfwma.org. If you liked what you heard, consider supporting the Limitless Spirit podcast by going to rfwma.org slash give. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.